Well, today in our gospel, we're going to hear about Gehenna. And uh, the question is, well, what was Gehenna in the time of Jesus? Well, it was the local garbage dump. And um, the thing is, though, that um, some people say when they hear our gospel passage, oh, it's not really that big a deal. He's just talking about the garbage dump. Well, Jesus also quotes from Isaiah indicating that he's talking about Gehenna because that's where they always had a fire going on, so it was the place of eternal fire. So even though today, if you go to Jerusalem, you can have a picnic in hell, uh, Gehenna is not a place you want to go. So um, Jesus talks pretty harshly today about what we need to do to be disciples. But he talks to about three different groups in our gospel passage, and we're going to hear about all of those, very different things to say to each. He's going to talk to people who are outsiders to our community. And it's very similar to what's talked about in the first reading. Then he'll talk about people who are insiders in the community. And then he's going to talk to each of us as individuals. So a lot to digest today. Hard to be a disciple. Actually, it's impossible without God's grace. If you read the Gospel of Mark in one sitting you'll pick up a fascinating dynamic about people we'd call insiders and outsiders. Jesus attracts crowds from the get-go, but people start to drift away pretty quickly. And those who are most skeptical of Jesus are those we would expect to be most accepting. The religious leaders are the first to complain about Jesus' teachings, followed shortly after by Jesus' own family. Then it's his childhood neighbors. Eventually, even Jesus' closest companions, lowly fishermen, will abandon him. As Jesus dies alone on the cross, it is a Roman centurion who first recognizes Jesus as the Son of God. Today's gospel gives us a lot of food for thought about insiders and outsiders in the kingdom of God. What's required to be a good disciple of Jesus? John, one of Jesus' closest companions, makes a common mistake that many of us make. In fact, Moses' right-hand man, Joshua, makes the same mistake in our passage from Numbers. And that mistake is to think that people have to belong to the same group as us in order to be good disciples. You've probably experienced this phenomenon even more than I have, because you've lived here longer than me. I've been told that one of the first questions people may ask you upon meeting you in the South is, what church do you go to? Now, there's nothing wrong with this question, unless we think the answer serves as an indicator of someone's level of discipleship. How in the world can we tell if someone's a good disciple from a short, casual conversation? And even if we could evaluate someone else's level of discipleship, it shouldn't change how we treat them. How we treat someone else is much more about our discipleship than it is about the other person's discipleship. As Christian disciples, we're supposed to love our neighbor no matter what, just as God loves us no matter what. Jesus' condemnation is reserved for the person who leads other people into sin. He says that it would be better if a great millstone were put around that person's neck and he or she were thrown into the sea. Now, before you run off and make a list of people you want to throw into the sea because you think they are leading other people into sin, hold on. 
Jesus did not tell us to throw anyone into the sea. He's condemning the act of leading others into sin. But he did not call for us to necessarily cast these people out of the community. Wait a minute, you may say. What about Jesus' next few sentences, saying that you should cut off a hand, a foot, or an eye, if it causes you to sin? Doesn't that mean we should kick people out of the community if they are egregious sinners? Isn't this an extension of Paul's body of Christ metaphor? If an eye is not contributing to the health of the body, shouldn't it be cut off? I don't think so. I think we're mixing our metaphors. Mark's gospel has been laying it on thick the last few weeks about what is required for discipleship. We must die to ourselves and pick up our crosses. We must serve others. We need to stop thinking about who is the greatest among us. Jesus has said nothing about what we should do if we think others are not good disciples. So that body that sins that he's talking about, each of us gets a glimpse of it when we look in the mirror. Now, before anyone starts mutilating themselves in the name of God, let's try to update Jesus' metaphor to the collegiate experience. Let's try this. If your computer causes you to sin, cut off your internet connection. It is better for you to write your term paper without the help of Wikipedia than to look at pornography. If drinking alcohol causes you to sin, stop going to parties where alcohol is served. It is better for you to have to look harder for social opportunities than to engage in reckless behavior. If people around you cause you to gossip, change the subject of the conversation. It is better for you to experience a few awkward pauses at lunch than to contribute to the downward spiral of negativity. Just because someone goes to another church doesn't mean that he or she is a lousy disciple. Just because someone worships here on a regular basis doesn't mean that he or she is a good disciple. None of us are perfect. If only sinless people were allowed to come to church and receive the Eucharist, we'd all be outsiders. There wouldn't be any parking problems at Blessed John 23rd Parish. But the good news is this. The Holy Spirit dwells inside each of us, giving us the ability to grow in our discipleship. And if sometimes you feel at the end of the week that you've been a lousy disciple, that's okay you are still welcome to come inside the church walls. The Eucharist we share is our food for the journey of discipleship.